uh mr kelly uh mr gilchrist good morning how are you both doing this uh this glorious morning good morning we're doing well good morning thank you for having us uh mr uh mr uh, kelly can you tell us where you're calling up where you uh streaming in from sure i'm in the heartland of america in columbus ohio uh and which is rapidly becoming a new technology center for the country as well we have a giant intel uh microchip plant going just up the street all right, Ms. Gilchrist, where are you call where are you streaming in from? And I'm actually streaming in from Columbia, South Carolina, in the great state of South Carolina, uh, the capital city of the state of South Carolina, and we're just delighted to be with you today to talk about uh, this most important issue. All right, well, thank uh, both you gentlemen for being here. This is one of our our new program targeted to our our growing audience over on LinkedIn, and it's uh, the minority marketplace. And what we like to do is talk with uh, experts about uh, the market, all issues pertaining to the market, specifically trends and policies and legislations that may affect the that may affect the market. And of course, we take a particular look at how that impact the how that impacts minority and small businesses. So thank you both. And thank you both uh, for what you do. I like to start off with uh, Mr. Kelly. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about your organization, American Edge Project? Sure. I'm the CEO of the American Edge Project. And what we do is we are a coalition of 24 different groups and we are unabashed fighters to make sure that America maintains its technology innovation leadership in the world, especially over countries like China. We have a really diverse group uh, of members, right, including the uh, National Black Chamber of Commerce, the U.S. Minority uh, Chamber of Commerce, the Asian American Chamber of Commerce, Puerto Rican Chamber of Commerce. Like we represent all different parts of America because at the end of the day, technology isn't just another sector. It's the very backbone of our national security, our economy and our values. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, Mr. Gilchrist, could you tell us a little bit about the uh, South Carolina African-American Chamber? Michael, thank you for uh, having us again today. Uh, yeah. I, so I have the opportunity to represent over 15,000 uh, black business and entrepreneurs uh, in small in, in South Carolina, small businesses. Um, I, I like to coin a phrase that a lot of our businesses in South Carolina or mom and pop businesses and um, the, the remaining or either mom or pop. And, and the reality of that is it, it creates a unique opportunity for us to be able to represent a constituency that represents about 94% of South Carolina's economy uh, in, in South Carolina. So we're excited about that. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the discussion that we'll have today regarding technology is a critical one, particularly post pandemic. And so we're, we're excited about the opportunity to play a role in, in those conversations and uh, look forward to ensuring that we continue to create a landscape uh, in South Carolina that works for small businesses. All right. Thank you both for being here again. Uh, Mr. Gilchrist, I'd like to start off uh, with you. Uh, you're, you're here with us. Uh, of course, you know, we have two uh, South Carolina plays a, a large role in the policies of this nation, specifically because we have both a Democratic uh, uh, congressman and a Republican senator who both have extreme uh, been there 20 years or more with an outsized influence on uh, policies and the interaction of 
of the Congress. So tell me a little bit about how does South Carolina stack up to the rest of the nation in terms of tech? Well, you know, Michael, I, I would first comment on your comment about uh, South Carolina's long history of having uh, a footprint in the Congress that has been sustained over years. We've been blessed to be able to have that uh, happen for a number of years uh, in South Carolina, from the days of Strom Thurmond to Fritz Hollins uh, to Jim Clyburn and, 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 and Lindsey Graham. I mean, we're very excited about that, that opportunity. But, but what that also creates uh, is that it is this footprint of um, our policymakers having uh, tenure within the Congress to really be uh, a voice for these kinds of conversations. Uh, and in South Carolina, what I'm very pleased about is that we have the opportunity to have access to these people uh, in the leadership that allows us to be able to have a conversation on both sides of the aisle. Uh, we think that's extremely critical uh, in South Carolina as a, you know, as, as a testament of that. Um, we just recently had uh, President Biden and the Democratic primary here in South Carolina just the past weekend. And by the end of February, we will have the Republican primary in South Carolina, both first states in the country. So that's a testament to not only um, the state's enormous influence in the policy space, but the opportunity to be able to have voice uh, around a myriad of issues, technology being the central focus here. Uh, Mr. Kelly, I, I have a question for you. I We've been hearing a lot in the news and you mentioned it uh, when your first intro introduction. Tell us a little, from the national security standpoint, you mentioned the threat from China. We hear that, uh, I, I mean, on every political ad, um, what is the threat to, from China and how would that affect American tech companies? Sure. So the threat from China is real and big. They're a full spectrum competitor, right? They're economically strong, they're militarily strong, and they've got a, a different way of how they run uh, their country uh, than, than America does, right? And they're offering that all around the world. And so the importance of technology in this is technology isn't just another sector. It, it is the underpinning of our national security, our economy, and our values. And China recognizes that tech's importance is so big that they want to leapfrog the U.S. when it comes to technology. And so they have a three-part plan to bypass us in technology and become the global leader. The first is they're investing more than a trillion dollars in building their own technology capabilities. The second part of that plan is what they can't build, they're stealing from us to the tune of about $500 billion a year in stolen technology or intellectual property. And the third part of that plan is that they wanna make the world increasingly dependent on their technology because when you make somebody dependent on their technology, it gives you leverage both politically and economically over that country. Now that includes trying to get dependent the U.S. dependent, our Western uh, European allies and others. And so American technology companies are leading the charge in this battle against China's uh, technology plans. Okay. What, what role does American Edge play in, in this sphere in terms of lobbying and speaking up and being an advocate for American tech companies? Yeah. So too often policymakers... Uh, don't protect what we value, right? I grew up in Michigan and Congress passes, passed some short-sighted rules and laws uh, in, the, in the late 90s and early 2000s that really 
gutted our manufacturing base that was felt all across the country, including very heavily in South Carolina, to the tune we lost 5 million uh, manufacturing jobs, many of them going to China. So now 20 years later, here we are with technology. And some in Congress are trying to pass short-sighted legislation because they're mad at tech companies for one reason or the other. But in reality, what they're going to try and do is when they try, to, when they try and uh, quote-unquote rein in technology companies, what it's going to do is it's going to hurt our economy. It's going to hurt our ability to compete against China. And it's going to hurt hundreds of thousands of small businesses all across the country who use these American technology tools, especially the platform tools, to find new customers, to grow their businesses, and to, and to build generational wealth. And so what we do is we talk about what's at stake here, about the dangers of short-sighted policy, about the dangers of overreaching when it comes to regulation. We're not against every regulation. We're, we're, we're in favor of smart regulation that allows our country to remain the global leader in innovation. Because if we accidentally hand that edge over to China, we are not going to get it back, just like we saw with manufacturing. Okay. Um, I want to go to uh, Mr. Gilchrist for a moment. Uh, Mr. Gilchrist, being um, see, uh, the chairman of the African-American Chamber, um, a lot of the larger, uh, you know, before the largest companies in America were all oil and gas, um, you know, big uh, financial industries. That's no longer the case. Now the larger companies are all mostly tech companies. How does, and as this industry grows in terms of resources, there are not a lot of people that look like me and you there. So access and representation is a, a, a part of that. How do we as a, a, a minorities play a better or a larger role in being a part of these companies that shape shape in America? And what is the uh, South Carolina African-American Chamber doing to uh, promote that here or to advocate for that here in South Carolina? Well, no, I, I want to piggyback on what Doug was just saying about China's influence in this process. Uh, he's spot on on that. And the reality of that is we can't have the the struggles that we're having out of China uh, to deal with and the struggles coming out of our own country uh, on the regulatory side, uh, impacting the way uh, minority businesses and other businesses can be able to participate in the, uh, in the tech space. Just recently, uh, the FTC, uh, uh, the Biden administration uh, filed a lawsuit to attempting to break up Amazon, just, just as an example, citing that it was bad uh, that it was a bad deal and and we're hearing from our chamber members that that that's not only not good for small businesses but it's huge government overreach in, in many of their uh in, in from their perspectives uh as as you know michael uh, small businesses play a huge role in in the economy in south carolina employing over uh, a million people and making up 42 percent of the workforce uh in private sector jobs that's a big deal and, and I will submit to you that uh, thousands of those jobs are coming out of the tech space, uh, which, is, which is extremely important. The other side of it, post the pandemic, um, is that we're seeing more businesses that were shut down due to brick and, uh, brick and mortar because of the pandemic have now begun to rely on technology as a way of being able to survive. Um, right. We can't in any way uh, over-regulate that process because what we'll end up doing is further 
uh, eliminating um, minority businesses that are already struggling to get access to capital and those kinds of things. And so anyway, so what our chamber has 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 been very vocal about is how do we ensure that we don't overregulate the, the industry while at the same time ensuring that we continue to create access opportunities to allow small businesses and, and minority businesses to participate in the space and, and have some voice with our policymakers that we were talking about just a moment ago. And more specifically, raising this issue with the presidential candidates as they come through South Carolina, because we think it's critical. We think it's important. It's an important conversation to be had. And, and I think you'll see our chamber not only being more aggressive about that space, but also uh, speaking uh, uh, in, in a more um, strategic way uh, to our allies and friends um, in both the tech space and in the political space about how important we think um, it is to ensure that black businesses and businesses at large have access to technology in the way that we're describing today. All right. Thank you both for that. I uh, want to just get into the uh, the bones of this conversation. Um, Doug, you you have a bird's eye view of the tech landscape uh, mm-hmm. across the country. How is South Carolina stacking up and where do you see South Carolina and how can South Carolina play a larger role uh, in this sector? Well, I'll tell you, uh, South Carolina is one of the leaders when it comes to technology, right? A lot of people think uh, innovation just happens on the coast, right? In New York or California. Um, but what your state has shown is that, look, when the community comes together um, to help uh, people with great ideas find new capital to move those products to market, you create a really great innovation ecosystem there uh, that brings in a lot of different uh, uh, voices and a lot of different players from all across the state. Uh, and so uh, South Carolina was just awarded uh, what's known as an innovation hub status by the Biden administration, particularly in advanced energy. Um, and look, one of the areas where China is really ahead of the United States is when it comes to uh, energy uh, at all different levels. And so I think the work that uh, South Carolina is doing in advanced energy and another high tech manufacturing, that's going to really make a difference for America uh, our, in our strength in the long term against China. And so we, we want South Carolina to keep pouring on the gas uh, on that area. Now, I'll just echo one thing that Mr. Gilker said, is that um, you know over a five-year period, there were 250 startups in South Carolina that raised $750 million from venture capital. Like That's an astounding level. But one of the challenges is 80% of those businesses will eventually be acquired by a larger company. That's what they want. That's the path they want to go. And then that frees up new capital. It helps get their investors back through money and it helps create additional jobs and opportunities going forward. Some in Washington, particularly the FTC, wants to reduce how much mergers and acquisitions can be done in the technology sector. That is going to hurt those 250 businesses who have raised that venture capital, who are trying to build a bigger product to market. And so when we talk about we have to be smart about the regulations we're doing, we can't kind of throw out the baby with the bathwater when we're trying to get things right in this overall because the stakes are too high. It's not like we're just competing against each other. We're competing against a global formidable foe in China. Okay. Mr. Gilchrist, you want to add to that? No, I, just, I certainly echo what Doug is, is, is referring to and, and would agree wholeheartedly that, you know, and, and even with that, um, the, the, the struggle for minority businesses is even compounded 
with other uh, vulnerabilities that many of these businesses have. So um, to to not put a more burdensome um, uh, issue on small businesses by by the regulatory process becoming more regulatory, um, we need to really have a conversation about that in this country. Uh, and, and I so, so I certainly agree with Doug, and and, and this is one of the areas uh, in the technology space that our chamber is quite concerned about, uh, and, and hope that we can uh, begin to find ways to work with this administration uh, and our Congress to to ensure that that we're not uh, creating a situation that's that's causing more harm to small businesses than what we're already experiencing. Okay. Hey, Doug, in, in the absence of equitable education access, what can tech companies do to ensure greater diversity or access uh, to training uh, programs and uh, uh, internships or uh, things of that nature to get more minorities into these tech companies? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So, uh, you know, investment in technology isn't just about cool new gadgets, right? Uh, really what makes it go is it, it creates new jobs. It creates better educational opportunities for young people to go into the tech sector. And it's about making sure that our communities, especially rural communities and underserved uh, minority communities, are not left behind. Because at the end of the day, America is only as strong as the talent that we put on the field. So what happens is America's tech industry right now has a number of free projects that are going on that invest in AI companies. Um, you know, a couple of the larger tech companies are investing hundreds of uh, millions of dollars in minority-owned artificial intelligence companies. Uh, they're holding coding camps for free. They're doing online tools like LinkedIn is doing a bunch of different things. It gives away free education on how do you how do you help develop AI models and things like that. And so the tech industry is going all out to try and recruit the very best talent, wherever they are, whoever they are, whatever their background and circumstances, they want them on the team because they recognize our ability to innovate. If it's only by a handful of people, we're not going to beat China. If we harness all of the potential, and all the smarts and all the different perspectives and points of view in America, man, we're going to be unstoppable. Um, and so they, they recognize that, I think, even more than some of our lawmakers. Now, look, they ain't got it all yeah. right, right. They're still still they're still working on how do we get more people in who are from communities of color and, or different uh, backgrounds overall, but they they recognize the talent challenge we have. And so even with STEM funding for schools, they're also helping boost that program up because at the end of the day, uh, there's going to be more tech jobs in the future than any other sector overall. And we have to have our, our kids of today prepared for the jobs of tomorrow. All right. Mr. Gilchrist, what, uh, what have you seen or in your opinion what are some of the um, policies that uh, we talk a lot about some of the bad policies Congress is, is, is putting forth? But in your opinion, what what would a good policy look like? What, what are some things that Congress can do to get out of the way of tech companies so small businesses like the businesses you represent can thrive and grow? Well, I, I think one of the things, obviously, on the regulatory, I keep coming back to the regulatory side because that's extraordinarily important not to ensure that we overregulate uh, when it comes to uh, some of the small businesses. I, I think what Doug was just alluding to, um, you know, 
you're so right. We we see people uh, in our chamber, our chamber members doing some amazing stuff in technology and, and, and artificial intelligence. Um, and it's not connecting with those folk that Doug just described. How do we make sure that we're making those connections so that the tech industry knows of that talent, skill and ability um, that's going on, that's doing some remarkably creative things uh, to ensure that we're making those connections? I think those things help to inform policymakers about the things that they uh, should be uh, looking to do uh, and what they can do. In South Carolina, you know, we're still struggling with trying to have in 65 percent of the state that's rural, we're still struggling with broadband. We're still struggling with trying to ensure that that level of infrastructure is sound enough to do exactly what Doug was talking about earlier, and that is be competitive. Uh, we don't have a choice. We're going to have to be very aggressive about that. South Carolina has made some great strides, thanks to Congressman Clyburn and some others who have really made some significant efforts to ensure that um, that that we have more capacity within that space. But we've got to do more. And unfortunately, we've got to do it fairly quickly uh, because the technology space is, is, is evolving every minute. And so the opportunity to be able to ensure that we can create some prototypes um, to inform our Congress uh, about the things that they can do and our policymakers, I think is very, very important. Okay. Uh, Doug, this is no doubt an, an, an ongoing uh, fight and an ongoing struggle to stay competitive because like we just now spoke of AI, the mm -hmm. first one, it was streaming, now AI... And things are going uh, fast. How, what can uh, small businesses across the state, across the country, what can they do to to help uh, advocate uh, for more, uh, more I, I guess what I would, would like to say, a more, more legislation that is proactive, more legislation that American companies thrive. How can the small yeah. business owner like me help advocate with American uh, Edge Project? How can we get involved? Yeah, sure. So I'll say the single. Uh, I'll give the answer, and I'll, I'll give one. I'll give the answer, and I'll give one example. The single most important thing that business owners or just your average citizen can do is to pick up the phone and call their senator or their U.S. congressperson and say, hey, listen, I just listened to this program on innovation and technology in America and our challenge with China, and it's really important that you don't handcuff American innovators. If they pass that message to their member of Congress and their elected officials, it's going to make a difference, right? It's one thing to hear Doug Kelly yak on the radio or TV. <laughs> like, it's a different thing when constituents call sure. because it matters. And why it matters is let's just take the issue of artificial intelligence. There's a lot of fear and concern and hand-wringing about this in Washington, D.C. with lawmakers. But this is a game-changing technology that we are just at the start of. Um, look, I'm old enough. I, I was doing stuff before the Internet was born, right? I had to go to a library. Um, and artificial intelligence is basically the compression of the Internet into a single accessible place where people can go get it. So for a small business who maybe has two to three people working for them, these artificial intelligence tools, most of which are free, they yeah. can double the productivity of that, of that company. For students who may have bad schools, poor teachers, and underfunded, if you have a phone, you can get to these free artificial intelligence tools, and it can help you walk through curriculum. It can help you bypass bad teachers and struggling school districts, and it can give you the knowledge base you need 
to fully achieve your potential. And our version of AI, American version of AI, is open and accessible to everybody. China's is very different. And there's a race between the US and China to see whose version of artificial intelligence is going to dominate the globe. China's yeah. version says what the Chinese government wants it to say. Like you ask it about Tiananmen Square, it says, oh, nothing happened there. It's a beautiful, nice geographical place. But there was a massacre that happened there X number of years ago. Whereas American AI, look, we, we say the ugly truth of everything in our country. Here you go. This is what it is. Because that type of knowledge and that type of expression is based on American values, expression, truth, honesty, and democracy. And so when we talk about what's at stake here, it's not just a local thing. It's not just a national thing. It's an international global leadership thing of which set of values are going to uh, begin to win uh, overall. And at the end of the day, my organization has to ensure that uh, American values in technology triumph. And Michael, if I may just chime in on that for just a sure. second. So I'm a presidential appointee to the United States Commission on Civil Rights. We just um, recently uh, decided to uh, prepare a uh, briefing report to the Congress and to the administration about AI, uh, looking at things like what Doug was just describing, the opportunities within AI, but also things like facial recognition. You know, how do we ensure that we don't start discriminating against people because AI and the technology within the system uh, could potentially have some variables in it that in some ways could be very discriminatory. The reason I bring that up is because I think it 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 it, it supports the the notion that we have to have minority businesses involved in these conversations on the front end of of this of this work, right. um, and ensuring that uh, we're actually able to help to inform the space uh, across the board, and that it just not become one of these um, uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, opportunities that has not in some ways been um, uh, a useful tool for all Americans, uh, particularly when we're talking about trying to do business globally. And so, uh, you, you know, it, it, the great thing about the, 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 the artificial intelligence um, uh, industry is that it is very new, um, but it's evolving very quickly. And as a consequence of that, it's 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 we don't want to leave people behind, and so our chamber is trying to do what it can to ensure that we stay abreast of of of, of current policies. Um, we're trying to have conversations with our our legislators in our state, as well as our legislators nationally and in Congress about what is happening across the tech space, and at the same time, um, trying to 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 uh, ensure that they recognize that. We can't place more barriers in place um, to prevent businesses from being able to participate in the space. What we have to be able to do is look at the opportunities, as Doug was describing earlier. And I think I think there's an opportunity to do that, being able to work with your organization to help keep the listeners involved, but also Doug's organization to ensure that, you know, we're connected with the people that are in the industry. I think that's those things are critically important. Mr. Gilchrist, can you, what can uh, small business owners in uh, South Carolina, what conversations should we be having with our local legislature? We have uh, local elections coming up for the state, uh, local elections and state house elections coming up. What, what conversations around surrounding tech should we be having with our legislators? 
Well, I think one of the things that we certainly should continue to put on the on the, on the uh, uh, make on the become a conversation on the forefront is this notion of ensuring that we have robust technology opportunity within our rural communities across the state of South Carolina. We can't compete if we don't have access. Mm-hmm. Um, and access is extremely important. And so that should be on everyone's uh, legislative priority uh, list for the General Assembly uh, this year. I, I think we start there. I think the second thing, we, and this is a recognition thing, um, that it's important to make sure that policymakers recognize that businesses now are relying on technology more so than they've ever done before. Uh, and that's just the reality of where we are post-COVID. Um, that is a challenge for some businesses because they didn't have to do that um, post-COVID, but, um, but it's an opportunity to be able to not only make investments in the space, but to also recognize that we don't want to create barriers to prevent businesses and individuals from being able to do that. And I think the third piece, um, you know, from an educational perspective, we just gonna, we need to continue to educate and make sure that people are connected in, with educational opportunities, professional development opportunities around the space and connect with those that can do that. And policymakers should also uh, be in a position to hold these folk accountable for ensuring that those things happen, particularly for those uh, for, for, for the type of investments that we're making from a from a uh, tax perspective. I mean, when we, we're offering huge tax incentives to these great technology companies uh, that are coming into South Carolina, we need to hold them accountable for ensuring that, that there's a return on that investment um, to the citizens of the state and to the small businesses of the state, and more specifically to the rural communities of our state. So I think those are some things that I think I would encourage policymakers to continue to not only be aware of, but pay more attention to as we continue to move forward. Doug, I want to speak with you. Um, could you tell us, we have a presidential election coming up. Can you uh, talk a little bit about specific policies that uh, small businesses need to keep an eye on? And what are some of the uh, policy questions we need to be asking the candidates when in in terms Mm -hmm. of tech competitiveness? Right. So I think the number one question is when an elected official comes to your state aspiring to a higher office and they say, I want to do X, Y and Z to really understand what the real effect of that policy is gonna be and what the unintended consequence of it might be. Um, and so I'll just give an example, right? So when people talk about, we need to go after um, the American tech industry and slow it down and rein it in, um, again, how is that gonna affect small businesses in South Carolina? I can tell you right now, it's gonna hurt them a lot because a lot of times when you try and tackle the biggest guys, you end up hurting the uh, uh, many hundreds of smaller ones down there, right? I mean, there's 450,000 small businesses in South Carolina alone. 120,000 are minority owned. All of them use the tech tools that American platform companies have for Facebook ads, for uh, Google searches, for other things like that. And when you try and reduce the innovation from the biggest companies, that's gonna either increase the cost of the small businesses, it's gonna make it harder to get their products to market, uh, and or it's gonna increase um, the cost of their customer overall. The fourth part it might do is it may make a move to Chinese platform alternatives. And that that is not a way you protect your data, your customer data, it is a dangerous thing. Um, and so for us, when we look at what the stakes are in this upcoming election, we need to make sure that 
the candidates who are running for office recognize the importance of American innovation and are committed to doing everything possible to accelerating American innovation and not handcuffing it. Yeah. Uh, Doug, uh, before I let you go, if somebody wanted to reach out to uh, American Edge and find out more about the organization or how they can get involved or, or what initiatives that might be going on in their state, how would they do that? Yeah, they can come to our website, AmericanEdgeProject.org. It's AmericanEdgeProject.org. Uh, you can see a lot of things that I've talked about here today. You'll find different policy papers about uh, including some state-by-state -state analyses of how technology affects their state. Um, and it would, by all means, sign up for updates because we want to share what we're doing because what we're doing is really important. At the end of the day, it matters which country builds the future. All right. Uh, Mr. Gilchrist, uh, if somebody wanted to reach out uh, here in South Carolina, small businesses wanted to get in touch with you or the African-American Chamber, find out when you guys meet or what initiatives you have, how would they do that? They can do it two ways. They can actually go to our website at www.scachamber.com or they could email us at info at scachamber.com uh, and, and one of our representatives will follow back up with them regarding uh, their interests. But we certainly would encourage, you know, African-American entrepreneurs. And you don't have to be African-American to be a part of our chamber. Um, you know, most of, uh, of, of our members are minority members across the, 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 the spectrum. Uh, and so we're, we're you know, you're, you're welcome to come and be a part of what we do. We don't charge a membership for you to be a member of our chamber. Oh, um, okay. Just go. You just go and sign up. Um, and, and, and we welcome you as part of what we do. And it's, and, and, and we're excited about the work that we do. We have, a, we have, um, you know, we're, we're blessed to be able to have a voice, uh, in the policy discussions, both in this country and in our state, uh, about things that impact minority and small businesses. Um, and we're very, we're, we're very, uh, pleased to, to be at the table. And so, um, to be able to represent uh, this constituency is, is, is a great thing. And, and Michael, I want to thank you for uh, having this conversation today, because I think this is a worthy conversation. I think it's a needed conversation. And I would I would encourage you um, and others to let's continue to have these conversations, because I think there'll be a lot more to discuss for sure. Uh, Mr. Gilchrist, uh, Mr. Kelly, thank you both for uh, joining me today. Um, you both supplied uh, a wealth of information. And uh, like Mr. Gilchrist said, yes, we, we definitely would love to continue this conversation, especially going into uh, getting deep into the election season when candidates start rolling out their policy reforms. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be uh, entertaining at, at the least. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, we, we definitely need to have this conversation um, working with a lot of small business, of course, me being a tech company, we do need a lot of uh, policies that are more beneficial um, to growing, uh, growing small businesses. And I like to uh, have a further conversation and go a little bit more in depth about what those policies do and the effect policies, uh, Mr. Kelly and, and Mr. Gilchrist, if, if, if that's on your radar uh, coming up. But uh, once again... Sure. Uh, thank you both for being here. Well, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Have a great week. Mm -hmm. Yes.